So it's Past Appreciation Week, and I was asked to say a prayer over you since it's Past Appreciation Week. <laughs> so, uh, lay your hands on Pastor Don. No, yeah. <laughs> Nicely, yeah. Don't slap him. So, uh, Jeremiah 3.15 says, And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with the knowledge and understanding. So, I believe that God gave you to us so we can understand more about him. So, dear Lord, I thank you for Pastor Don and how much he's a blessing for us and how he can teach us your word every Sunday. And, uh, yeah. Jesus' name, amen. It was five seconds. How about that? Kept it short. We love you. <laughs> love you too. Well, put up First Chronicles chapter 4. Okay, here we go. And Jabez, some of you know this uh, verse, these verses. And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called him Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in sorrows, I bear him in sorrows. Um, I, they don't say why. Uh, she, she may have not, it may be an unplanned uh, birth. It uh, may be a lot of pain in childbirth. Uh, if you remember, this isn't uh, the only time it happens. Uh, <clears throat> Rachel, when she has her second child, uh, Benjamin, um, she um, die, died in childbirth, but she named her child Benjamin, which means son of my sorrow. Um, she named her child Benoni, which means son of my sorrow, and her husband said, no, we're going to call his name Benjamin, well, which means uh, uh, son of my uh, right hand. And so this is the second time that a child is named because of something related to the childbirth. But, but basically, it, it's a negative thing. Son of my sorrow. It's like I, 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 I didn't want you for one reason or another, or you gave me a lot of trouble in, in birth. And it doesn't explain it, but it was something that his name meant. It's like Benoni. The name means, Ben means son of my sorrow. And this one is, is like she named him Jabez, which is pain, pain, sorrow, pain. And what a, what a thing to overcome as a person, right? To uh, be, have that, uh, you know, um, my wife, uh, they're, uh, they're, they were the youngest, my wife and my sister-in-law, my, her twin sister. Um, their mother died, died in giving birth to the youngest, um, a boy. And so there's, you know, there's a lot of uh, 
connection with pain in, in, in childbirth. And then it goes on to the next verse. He says, and Jabez, notice it started, it says he was more honorable. So it had something to do with the character. It says, and Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. So you've got to get a picture here that what he's asking for is to be blessed. It's to overcome the stigma of his name or his, his birth. He says that you would bless me indeed. Enlarge my coast, which means my sphere of influence. You know, and so it says, and that thy hand might be with me and that thou wouldest keep me from evil. That thou, that it, excuse me, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he had requested. I think this is the perfect uh, metaphor, which literally happened, but it's still a parable of our own personal lives. You know, we're, we're born in this world, uh, in, the, in the spiritual realm, in, in sorrow. But God comes, comes and for God so loved the world, he gave his son that when we receive him, that we can be born again and uh, be blessed. What has been a cursing, which is kind of what Jabez's mother does to him. It's, it's like putting a curse on him because, you know, uh, giving him a name which means sorrow. And uh, what was a curse has been reversed into a, a blessing. And so I want you to reach out your hand for these children. And we're going to play, pray that prayer of Jabez. It's called the prayer of Jabez. And it says uh, that you would repeat after me that you would bless them indeed. You would enlarge their coast. That your hand may be upon them. And you would keep them from evil. That it may not grieve, that their lives may not grieve you. Bless them, O oh Lord, and keep them when we love you, love them, and release them to you again to learn of you. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. <clears throat> We're going to look at Second uh, Timothy. Yes, of course. Uh, we're going to look at Second Timothy 1, verse 9, and then we're going to go back and read Second Timothy. But I'll tell you when, uh, from the very first verse. Chapter 1 of Second Timothy, verse 9. I'll tell you when to put it up. And then we're going to go to Second Timothy 1 through 10. So we're going to revisit. We're going to go backwards. Um, today is a special day, as you've already seen, with the, the dance of, of, well, a lot of us call him uh, Dr. B. Um, you, for those you don't know, and many of you do, by the way, uh, Steve said to say hi, hi. He worked with you up on campus. I saw him at Health Links the other day. 
And he said that uh, he loved you and that he really uh, enjoyed working with you up on campus. This Dr. B, it, I, well, you were in charge of the music department up there at one time, weren't you? 19 years. 19 years he was in charge of the music department up there. And um, one of the things I learned from Dr. B is that everything is made up of music. Did you know that? Every, all atoms are made up of music. God created us. And if you uh, are familiar with J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote The Lord of the Rings, he's a, J.R.R. Tolkien is good friends with C.S. Lewis, and they had agreed to write about the Lord. Uh, C.S. Lewis took a more direct approach, and, he, and uh, Tolkien took a, uh, what he called an in-and-out approach, revealing the, the Lord. And uh, if you were a Lord of the Ring fans, which I was, uh, you might may have read uh, the, the Silmarillion, which explains how Middle-earth was created. And Middle-earth was created by God, in that sense, as a song. He sung everything into existence. And so when he says, and, and everything is held together by the word of his power, and he's saying, and, and there's a, a vibration that you, that you can't per, perceive with your regular ears, but everything has a, 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 a song in it, and it's a song of God. And I've always believed that, and, and uh, um, I appreciated that when Dr. B was sharing that with me. He's, uh, Dr. B's been with us for uh, 41 years. I've known him for 43 years. Um, I met Dr. B. Uh, uh, well, I'm going to get around to you in a minute, Edwina, but this is mostly talking, I'm mostly talking about Dr. B, Dr. Barstow. Um, I met him almost to the, to the day uh, 43 years ago. It was very shortly after I had come here to pastor Community Gospel Church. And uh, we had been, I was taken to a full gospel businessman's um, prayer meeting. It was at uh, Al, Al Shear's house. And if you've ever been to Al Shear's house, uh, because of all the sports that Alshir has been part of, he has a room called the Trophy Room. He needs an entire room to hold all his trophies. And uh, many of those were involving wrestling. He was uh, inducted into the Wrestling Hall of Fame. And we're talking about the real wrestling, wrestling, not pro wrestling. Uh, in, in uh, college, in high school. Uh, so uh, his trophy room was quite filled. Well, we're in the trophy room, and that's when I met Dr. Robert Bosto for the first time, and he prophesied over me. And uh, I shared this before, but uh, I didn't, a lot of you weren't at the uh, meeting that we had before. And he prophesied over me that um, I just came out here to New York 
from California, Southern California. I, I emphasize that. We, we were uh, uh, from Riverside, and uh, my wife and I had worked out there for a couple of years at Teen Challenge. And uh, Riverside is about 55 miles east of Los Angeles. And uh, I remember the first year I was there, I can remember the two nights that it got down to 40 degrees. It was so cold at 40 degrees, those two nights. Only at nighttime, though, it wasn't near that cold during the daytime. But it was really cold at night twice. And um, I stress that because when I got out here, it was really cold. <laughs> and, uh, but that was just one of the reasons I wanted to go back to California. The major reason I wanted to go back to California is that the person that had invited me came against me very, very strongly. And uh, it was a troublesome time for me. I was younger and dumber. And, you know, I since there's a... Shakespeare once said, fools rush in where angels fear to tread. You know, that was Shakespeare. And fools rush in where... And that's exactly what I felt like when I first got here. A fool that had rushed in where angels don't even dare go. And so... But before that happened, Dr. B prophesied over me and said exactly what was going to happen. He said that you're going to have somebody come against you. And at that time, I didn't have any idea that this would happen. Until, and then he said that, and he says, but don't run. Don't leave. Don't go back to California. God has got you, his hand upon you, and so, I was, uh, I want you to know that you probably wouldn't be sitting in that chair right now because I wouldn't be sitting in this one if it hadn't been for a prophecy. Because I don't know, I cannot be sure that I wouldn't have turned and ran. And uh, I, that's kind of my M.O., in life before I became a Christian is when things got tough it's time to run go away get out you know and um, you know when you know they always say when the when it, it gets the when it gets the tough gets going the going how do they say when the going gets tough the tough gets going you know, and or, you know it, that's why we stand against the wiles of the devil, and it's because we got to make. You know, you might remember Colonel Merle Lallander preaching at a thing which uh, about Jonathan standing in a pea, pea patch and fighting. Jonathan had some exploits. Jonathan, the son of Saul, had some exploits that come pretty close to David. You know, and he fought an entire garrison of, of uh, Philistines off. And he, and he made a stand. He stood in a pea patch. And he wasn't giving ground. And, um, 
he says, uh, make your stand. And so I believe that I wouldn't be here except for that prophecy because my MO, like I said, my method of operation was to run when things got bad. And uh, in Jesus, he tells us to make a stand. And uh, I made a stand because of this man who prophesied over me. And then another time, and I shared this before, we were coming down, he and I were driving down Franklin Mountain, and uh, I was complaining about the weather. This was shortly after uh, I had been here. I had been, been here very long. And, um, you know, he explained to me that he came here from Kansas, which is, according to him, God's country. And he came from God's country to a place that wasn't, that he didn't really think that it was God's country. <laughs> and one of the reasons he hadn't seen the sun in a couple of years, <laughs> you know, and uh, how he explained to me that, you know, anywhere God is, is God's country. And God was here. And uh, I, I went through an attitude change because of him. So he dealt with both problems. One problem was man coming against me. The next problem was New York coming against me. And I love New York now. I love the change of the seasons and ready for one to go and the other one to come. And I just love living here. I don't like bumper stickers. You got bumper stickers? Praise the Lord. Great. Good for you. I don't want a bumper sticker on my car. I just don't. But if I put one on my car, I would put, I love New York. (laughs) Just because God put that in my heart. And so Dr. B prophesied over me. This whole service is going to be dedicated to you and Edwina. And I'm going to give you a chance to say something. Because you didn't get a chance to say something the other day. And you commented to me on it. Well, we're going to give you a chance to say something in a little bit. But I want to look at these verses of scripture first. One of my favorite verses of scripture, which I just, I'm shocked that I don't hear more preachers preaching over this verse. And there's uh, about five or six other verses that uh, say other things that are similar to this verse, as at least for as the content that I want to talk about. And uh, it says, and it's talking about God. Who has saved us? How many of you are saved? If you're not saved, don't leave today before we pray for you. Pray with you. And called us. He puts on the same plane as being saved as being called. So God saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. So that's one of the two spiritual laws. God love you. And God has a purpose for your life. And he saved you and called you according according to his purpose and grace. And this is the part that really just blows my mind when I see it. Which was given to us or given given us in Christ. Given to us in Christ before the world began. Before this earth was even created. 
You know, uh, one of my favorite prayers is in uh, Ephesians, the third chapter. But the prayer is preceded by God talking, by Paul talking about the mystery that has had been hidden in God before the world. Wow. Had been hidden in God, which had not been revealed in other ages. That means it was hidden in God. The mysteries, you know what the mystery of God? That we should be saved. That the Gentiles should be saved. And so that's, that's again, here it is. Uh, I, I think Titus says something about how God promised us eternal life. Eternal, when we think of eternal life, we think of forever. But eternity goes forever in two different directions. Forever backwards, forever forward. And it says how he promised us eternal life, which was given to us before the world began. That's what it says in Titus, the first chapter. Now I want to go back and read the beginning of this. Go with the first verse. And we're going to look at the context of what this was talking about. Paul and Apollos, and I'm going to go quickly because I want to get to, there's so many messages here, but I don't want you to get lost in any of them except what we're going to talk about. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God upon whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of you in my prayers. Now he says without ceasing he's praying for them in my prayer in his prayers night and day. And he says greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears that I may uh, that I might be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you, which dwell first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, I am persuaded that it's in you also. Wherefore, I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God, which is in you by the putting on of my hands. So he's telling them to stir up the gift of God. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Neglect not the gift of God that is in you. Now, what's important about the gift of God? So many things. For starters, it says in Ephesians 4, When Christ was raised, ascended up into the Father, while he's being ascended up, he gave gifts unto men. He gave gifts unto men. He, and he goes on to name some of the gifts that he gives. You know what the gifts that he gave to men are? Men and women. He gave us gifts. I, I did not know that uh, A.J. was going to pray for me today. But he talked about, he picked out my absolute, without any, I don't think anybody even knows this, my absolute uh, Verse that I stand on as a pastor and a preacher and a teacher and a shepherd. And that is, I've given you pastors, which is another word for shepherd, after my own heart, that have fed you with knowledge and understanding. That's, that's been the desire of my life, is to feed people with knowledge and understanding. 
as a pastor. There are many other responsibilities as a pastor, but that's that's one that's been my foundation. And so this is a gift of God. And they talked about pastor, me being a gift. Well, we got Edwina, we have Dr. B and Edwina are two incredible gifts of God. But uh, that's what he's talking about. Stir up the gift of God. When he ascended up on high, he gave gifts unto men. When Jesus, even before the foundation of the world, but when Jesus ascended up to heaven, as he was ascending up to heaven, he gave to you and to me, Dr. Barstow and Edwina. I want you to think about that. Think about that. Wow. Now you are a gift. Now when Jesus was going to Samaria, he met the woman at the the well, and uh, he said, would you give me a drink? And she says, how can, why would you ask for a drink? from me because I'm a Samaritan and the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. I used to ask this question and I said, what did Jesus say to her uh, in response? And I would always ask a group of pastors uh, this, this question. And I've never got the right answer yet. Now the answer that I get is a good answer. And it really shocks me if they don't know that answer. Am I kind of a riddle there? Okay. The answer, you know, everybody, everyone has always said the same thing. And it shocks me if they don't know to say the wrong answer. Because I know what they're going to say. They're going to say, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink. And I would give you living water. That's what every pastor has ever said. And I guess the ones that don't really shocks me. That they don't know that much. (laughs) And I'm like, what? So he says, she says, he says, give me a drink. And she says, how, how, why would you ask me for a drink? And he says, if you knew, and this is the answer. He does say, uh, if you knew who it was, you would ask him for a drink, meaning himself, and I would give you living water, okay, a drink. But actually, what he actually says is they leave out that little first part. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it was, then you would ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. And then they go into a whole different thing. But it's the gift. It goes back to the third chapter when uh, John is uh, talking, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and he says, uh, uh, you know, for, that's where for God so loved the world that he gave his son. It's the gift of God. So when Jesus ascends into heaven, he gives gifts unto men. He gives gifts. You are a gift from God to the rest of us. To the world, if you want to get technical. But see, right now we're talking about two really special gifts. And it says this. 
For God has not given us a spirit of fear. We all, I've heard songs, multiple songs talking about this verse. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind. And, uh, you know, they, I love those songs. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I think that's great. And I've used to have Amy, my daughter, which was up here a while ago, talking, talk introducing the dance. Uh, she was scared of big animals. And I had just one of those, those verses of scripture. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. But you know something in context there, this is talking about another in context. And I, I, it's very true out of context. But it is more important in context. What is it in context with? Stirring up the gift of God that is in you. You see, what's the major reason you don't see yourself as a gift of God? What is the major reason you don't see others as a gift from God? Because we have fear, you see. They used to say the two number one things from us being what God's called us to be is fof and fop. Fof and fop. You know, fear of people and fear of fear. Fear of fear. Fof and fop. Fear. It's a fear, fear of being what God's called you to be. Now, Dr. B has been probably, and I, and I don't know, sometimes comparisons aren't the best way to go, but I'm going to use it anyways. Probably one of, maybe in this fellowship, the person that has been most of person, example of stirring up the gift of God that is in him. That is him for others. Now, he used to be president and act, and when he wasn't president, he was very, very active with the full gospel businessmen. Went everywhere with them, did everything for them, uh, whatever he was asked to do. Never asked to do something that he didn't do, ever, because he was. Stirring up the gift of God that is in him. You see, he didn't, neglected not the gift of God. He understood that he was a gift of God. If we knew the gift of God, like Jesus said, if we knew the gift of God, we would be ever mindful. Now, I want to, before I go on, there's a verse of scripture I want to take time for. Uh, it talks about in uh, Proverbs 27. You talk about uh, praising men, right? Oh, shouldn't do that. Well, that's not true. What it actually says in Proverbs 27, 2 is let another man praise thee and not from your own lips. You see, I've never heard Dr. B say a single solitary word of complimenting himself ever. It's just... Amazing. Uh, he, 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 so he does all, he has, I don't think, I don't think you can count on, well, I know, I, I was going to say one hand, I don't think you can count on one finger. 
maybe one finger, in 42 years of being part of our church, he's ever missed a Sunday. Except when they're out of town, coming to church. Faithful. Faithful. Of course, that's old school, I guess. You know, I remember when Teen Challenge was, the government wanted to do a study of Teen Challenge cure rates for heroin addicts. And the only thing that they had to go by is what Teen Teen Challenge says, you can do this, but you've got to use our standard. Our standard is free for five years, at least five years. They don't do any drugs at all. They don't drink alcohol. They don't smoke cigarettes. No, no, I, I smoked cigarettes long, long time ago. I understand the, the, the habit. But they don't smoke cigarettes and they go to church on Sunday. Not, not just one out of, regularly they go to church. And he says, if, if they're not, and they say, what the church got to do is this? if they're not going to church, they're not going to be free long. That's their teen challenge. I didn't make that up. Jackie, my wife, used to do the newsletter and she's got an article about it. So he is an example of being faithful. Because, look, if you're a gift of God to us, you got to be here. You see? you got to be here. And you, you, I, He's the only person I've ever known that will go around the church and give words of prophecy either in when there's a break or maybe even during worship or something. And he comes here understanding that he is a gift. And to stir that gift up, stir the gift of God up. You know, stir it up means to step out. That's what this is talking about. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. Fear of what? Fear of that your, your lack of self-image. You know, our image, our self-image is in God. It's hidden in God before the foundation of the world. Who we are in Christ. So you've you got to stir that up. and You've got to be able to look at the world in the same way that Jesus looked at the world. If you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God, you'd ask me for a drink. Now you don't maybe say that, because it's kind of like not letting another man praise thee, but you still need to have that attitude. You see, fear of rejection? You see? So you get rejected. They rejected Christ. So you have a gift. You are a gift. Dr. B is the most extraordinary example of that, of anybody I've, I think I've ever known. Not only, does, not only has he served us, and not only has he served full gospel businessmen, served the Lord, but he did it on his own dime. You know, I get paid to come up here. You know, I don't do it for the pay. Wait a minute, don't, don't get any ideas though. No, freely I have received, freely give. That's stirring up the gift of God. And he stirred up the gift of God over the years for us. Stirring up the gift of God. Uh, That's what this is talking about. 
the spirit of fear that keeps you from being the gift that God has made you. Let's go to the next verse. Uh, and be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. Now, what are the afflictions of the gospel? Is when you share the gospel, you're going to be afflicted. You're going to become again. They're going to come against you. According to the power of God, who has saved us. You see, this is in context, goes to this verse. Saved us, called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his Great purpose and grace, which was given to us before the world began. And now we're just going to start off just a little bit with a verse 10. And we see this, but is now made manifest. That's all I want to uh, read of this verse. We can, you can go and study it later. But is now made manifest. <laughs> I hope this blows your mind is, or, or your Spirit or your heart out just because listen to this. Is now made manifest. You know what that means? I love these words that that start with man because it actually comes from the Latin. All words that, English words that start from man like this, manifest, manifesto, uh, uh, manufacture, manipulate, all these verses start with man. It comes from the Latin word manus, which means hand. And it's like, you know, I, 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 I used to be an avid uh, Poker dealer, poker player. I was actually a professional poker dealer at one time in in a casino, and I I love to play poker. I played all all cards. I love to play them. You know, and you know it's just like you keep your hand close to your vest. You know what that's that means? You don't let anybody else look at it. I I don't like to play poker or any kind of card game unless my back's to a wall. How many of you know why why that is? Because Wild Bill Hickok got shot in the back when he was playing poker. Aces and eights, that's what his hand was when he got shot. I'm like, I get aces and eights, I'm like, fold. (laughs) You know. But it's manifest, it means God's hand is upon you. That's why the laying on of hands, that's why the hands are so important. That's why when you have children, if you reach out... I don't, I know I got in trouble with this one, but for it, I, I've done this, but I, I've learned differently. I don't hit my kids with my hands. I just don't. I never, never have. Well, I might have done it a couple of times in the moment of the flesh because I just had it with them, <laughs> you know. But I, I want, when you reach out your hand to your child, you don't want them flinching away from it with it. They want... They want to, it's a blessing. And so this word manifest, just like this. He saved us, called us with a holy calling, not according to his wor- our works, but according to his purpose and grace, which was given to us before the world was began, but is now made manifest. Do you understand that? It was ordained of God that I 
should be standing right here at this moment manifesting eternity. That's God's calling upon your life. He saved you. He's got a calling on your life. He's got his hand upon your life. And I, Dr. B, you, you're, you're like the best example I've, I've ever seen. And, he, and like I said, he does it on his own. He does it on his own dime. He doesn't do it with... Uh, uh, <laughs> I, was looking at, you can't, I was thinking of, of Al Shear used to... Uh, Al Shear, when he was t- teaching the guys wrestling, a lot of those guys wouldn't let you lay hands on him and pray for him, so he'd do it while he was wrestling with him. And he'd, do, he'd have them in a hole, you know, and breaking their leg, and he's praying, praying that God would then touch them with his, <laughs> through his hands. You know, hands are so important, you know. So from eternity past, Dr. B, when Jesus was raised from the dead... He ascended away, gave Dr. B as a gift from God to me from eternity past, but is now made manifest. Wow, can you get to that? Is that? Wow. You are a gift from God. And I, I just, I've been so blessed to have you in my life. As an example, as somebody that has, you know, the Bible says prophecy in the New Testament is edifying, exhorting, and comforting. I've been all three edified. It means built up. I've been uh, exhorted and I've been comforted through a man that God preordained to be in my life before the world was even created. Whoa. Is that pretty awesome? Okay, well, we got some more to do yet. Um, I'm trying to get everything in my mind in the order of things here. But we're going to have something special here. Um, How about before I forget this, I give you guys a chance to say something. Because we're going to go into a next phase. And uh, would you like to do that before we go into the next phase? Because you might not be able to do it after. But we're going to pray for them. We're going to do all kinds of things here that's pretty cool. Uh, You got the mic? I said leave it right there. No, 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 not to you. I told them leave it right there. They, they weren't listening. You want to, you guys got something to say, say to us? We're going to pray for them in a minute. And we're going to do some other things even before that. So. That's right. Amy was talking about the dance. You saw me this morning videoing a little bit of that. I want to take that with me. 
because it's been those dancers, those young ladies, even some of the young fellas, that's a blessing to me to start off every meeting we have. I, I watch them and I, as sometimes it brings me right to tears, the presence of the Lord and how they exalt the name of the Lord Jesus with their motions. And it's, it's synchronized. And the chronized there, I think it means it crushes sin. <laughs> that, that synchronization, it crushes it right out. You know? Wonderful. Wonderful. I have received, I receive so much from all of you who are here. Chris and Anita, I mean, of course, they they start the the ball rolling almost every time. But the dancers are right there, and they're there. Well, I'm a musician. I That speaks to me, not just on the outside. Most of the songs I don't know, because <laughs> he's always doing new stuff, you know? I say, yeah, yeah, I'll learn it about the tenth time, maybe. <laughs> but... It, it goes right to here. goes right to here. And the young lady sitting over there that sings to us once in a while. goes right here. goes right here. goes right in here. And it's such a blessing. But I have to admit, and I'm going to brag a little bit now, I am a very smart man. And my proof of that is this lady right here that I chose for my wife. Nobody can say that I didn't pick a good looker, a smart one, an intelligent one, a good a, a good worker <laughs> and not only that one thing that you don't know the reason why I picked her is because she's very good at baking bread, bread. <laughs> especially rye bread it is out of this world I'm not teasing. I had it written down on a sheet of paper, one of the things I wanted in my wife. I'm not kidding. I wanted a woman who could bake bread. I loved it so much. After all that. uh, I'll sit out. No, I'm just going to say this was, Pastor Don talked about... I I wasn't 
Um, my role has been very different, as you know. But I got feeding here. And in every way, you know, the love from all of you. And then, yeah. and then I took that, what I had been fed, to Franklin. And that my role there was giving what I had been given here to the children, mainly the children in Franklin. And as I look back on that, I was sharing with Bob and Lori, <clears throat> there was this little boy we had, um, we, we had vac- extended vacation Bible school that came to my house. It was interesting, after we started coming here, we were kind of a pariah in Franklin, you know? It was like, oh, anyway. But they wanted to have um, something for the children that extended after um, vacation Bible school in the summer, and they wanted to have the children, you know, so that they, we didn't lose them. And so they, I said, well, they can come to our house because... You know, sometimes there's a difference between one church and another church, so they came to our house. But I was telling Bob and Lori, had this little boy that, I don't remember how old he was, seven or eight maybe, and this has stuck with me. Like He had never seen a church door, never gone to church. They walked to our house after school because, you know, we had it in our house. They could walk after school anyway. We were singing, uh, let's see, when, when Let God Arise and Enemies Be Scattered. I don't know if you know that song. Let God Arise and His Enemies Be Scattered. So we'd been singing that, and I asked, do any of you know what that song means? And this little boy who had never been to church before said, I know, Mrs. Barstow, I know what that means. That means when God comes around, everybody else gets out of the way. <laughs> but, you know, if I hadn't, if I hadn't had been fed from here, I could not have done what God called me to do. My other calling here, as you know, was the kitchen. And that's, <laughs> I love that, Ruth Hawley and I, I just found as we were cleaning and sorting I found the plans for the kitchen cabinets that had been drawn by the person who built them and the receipts for the first ranges and refrigerator in 1992. <laughs> so we spent, you know, every month, Ruth, Ruth and I made chili, made soup, and all of you contributed money and that, you know, to build the kitchen. So, you know, my role has been different but I'm telling you that one of, and I may get through this and I may not, but one of the things I have, reason I have dragged my feet for moving is that I am going to miss you so much. I can't. <laughs> Stick around, we got more. We have uh, Margo and uh, Peg, would you come up, please? Hallelujah. Margo's got some words to share about Edwina. I wish they could face the audience. 
<laughs> hey, you're in charge right now, so what do you want them to do? Just tell them what... Sit here where everybody can just be looking on them. Okay. Will that work? It will. Because we are in the flesh sometimes, and today's going to be one of them. <laughs> I wasn't raised in a Christian home. Got to hold that up. Oh, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I was 30 years old when I met Jesus as my Lord and Savior at Dr. Polly's house. We had two small children. And we attended the Methodist church. When I was a teenager, I went to church. My neighbor or a friend of mine by herself, and we were baptized by herself. I mean, in church without family. And so always had a heart for God, but I don't know about a personal relationship until age 30. And the Methodist Church in Franklin would have uh, some kind of a revival, can't just remember what it was, and, and we attended, and Rita Sickler and her family joined, and that's how we got to know Rita. And Bob and Edwina, well, when at 30, we, Don and I, got in a Bible study here in Oneana. And then um, after that revival in Franklin through the Methodist Church, Bob and Edwina somehow, I don't remember the details, but we're having a, a Bible study in their home. So we connected with them. And through this gentleman right here, this is the first time I ever heard about Jesus as my healer. And it kind of just stuck here, you know. And he shared a miracle of how the Lord had healed him. And I asked him if he remembered that, and he said no, but that's okay. I did. And I've told him this before. Um, and... I studied the Bible, and I rejoiced. Jesus is my healer. And he calls me friend. And grew. And we got involved with a home church on Sunday night with Federico and Bob. And I know what holy rollers are. Because of that, it was fun. Learning the ways of God was exciting and fun, and I still feel that way. Well, anyhow, so we came over here. I don't know, they stopped having that or sometime. Uh, and we went over here to the Assembly of God down on one of these little streets. Bob and the pastor and Federico and... They wanted to know people, anybody want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? And he, he tells me I'm hanging on to the pew, and he thought I'd bring the pew with me when I went forward. Because I wanted it, but I was afraid to go up. Well, anyhow, that night, Rita Sickler and I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gift of praying in the Spirit. And that was a new beginning in my life. And this sister, we, Rita and I came over in my car, and Bob and Ed went in. And unbeknownst to me until I went back, she's out in the parking lot 
wandering around. I'll let her tell that story. The rest of the story, as Paul Harvey said, I wasn't interested in the baptism of the Holy Spirit at that point. I thought Bob had lost his mind, you know, and... She called us crazy. <laughs> and so, so, just a minute. <laughs> but, so, anyway, um, they were, uh, I thought these, you know, Assembly of God, I thought things, I thought the rest of them were crazy as well. So I thought, I'm just going to go outside and wait. We... We were actually, Margo, we rode in your car. So I went outside thinking, well, I'll just, well, then her car was locked and I couldn't get in. And so it was cold. So I thought, I'm not going back in there. So I wandered around because I thought they were nuts. Amen. Did you want to? I just wanted to add what she said to me. After I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit at a full gospel breakfast, I I came home and walked into the kitchen, and uh, she was in there fixing lunch, and I said, Edwina, guess what? And I started talking in tongues. She turned around and looked at me and said, Do you want mayonnaise or mustard on your sandwich? <laughs> Oh, I, I tell you, we have had some great time. We have had some wonderful time. I don't remember the details, but for some reason, I missed a Bible study, or maybe I didn't go to church and missed a Bible study. And I got a knock on the door, and Bob was there, and he came in, and he shared how much God loved me and cared about me. And did I know because I, you know, you had a cold or whatever, and did I know that I had a protective hedge surrounding me? The healing power of the Lord, the Lord's presence, all, the whole thing. And he said, you, you can walk in your healing. He just taught me more about it, you know, and claimed it. And it's, well, I look at it as building my testimony, you know, pushing through it. And that's what he was telling me. And I've used that many times in my life as that protective hedge. Traveling, hotel room, storm coming. We live way up on a hill. We see the storm coming. Because Jesus has given us authority over creation. And he, and I've seen it on the Weather Channel, park and not come around Franklin. And I'd always pray for my neighbors, my beloved community. Well, as community with Edwina... We, and Rita, we did special things together. Uh, We helped a woman who had some needs um, in Franklin, which was a big challenge for Edwin and I to not have a critical spirit, which I can't say we always didn't have sometimes, helping her sort things. She remarried, and it was her stuff and his stuff, and who knows, but... Anyhow, we just served in different areas and cleaned out a a Methodist building and, oh, I don't know, serving. And there was times when we would go in the church because we had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We wanted everybody to have it, and we'd pray up and down the pews and around. And Bob and Ed Weiner were 
uh, youth pastors in Franklin. And in the summertime, I don't know who came up with the idea, but we had movies outside showing on the church building to bring kids in, you know. And I don't know why what she's saying. They were Pied Pipers with kids. And that gentleman, wherever Greg is, over there, their oldest son, Todd, I don't know if he's a senior or junior, and just reached out to a sixth grader and invited them in. And they had fun at the Barso's house and, and fun in the youth, uh, MYF. Wonderful things like that. They just sowed spiritually in my life so much. One time here we did things special on uh, Thursday night. Uh, what's that called? A Monday? Mo- Monday? Thursday? And I was called and said that they wanted to that night wash my feet. Somebody was going to wash my feet. And I thought, you know, and, and it was this man. This, this mighty man of God washing my feet. But th- they have touched my life in very special, special ways. And our children fell in love and married and grandchildren, and they've just been such a part. And I, I, I thank God for them, for their spiritual growth in myself and Don's and our children and grandchildren. They... They live what they believe and let it shine out. And I am truly, I, Bob and Edwina going out to Full Gospel Businessmen, they allowed Don and I for a long time tag along with them when it was local just, just a sun, or Saturday morning. Just a chance to just grow spiritually. So I, I am... I know God's got something special for him. He's not done with them. I can't hardly wait to find out. My son and daughter-in-law moved from Albany to Florida. And you didn't want to see him go, did we? We didn't want to see him go. But we knew inside God called them. Greg didn't go after that job. They called him. And they have grown in a year, year and a half, spiritually, so much in just being in a family, a church family, way far away. It's just beautiful, their connection. They went to Israel last March. And this here, this, these two here, God has got something there. There'll be somebody like me, somebody like me, that just needs to be encouraged or, or have somebody just uh, love on them. You know, uh, spiritually in special ways. So I, I don't know what he's got, but it's mighty good. And there's no weapons formed against you. In Isaiah 57, 54, 17, that is, there's no weapons formed against you that will prosper. We know the enemy crosses around looking to whom he can devour. And it's not going to be them. So to God be the glory. Amen. We have also some, you know, there's gifts involved here. I've been talking about gifts. They're leaving. We're going to give a gift to uh, Virginia. 
Yeah, Virginia. Yeah, uh, not going to what my problems are with Virginia, but that's okay. I won't say anything. That claim that George Washington was from Virginia. No, he was from Texas. It wasn't a cherry tree. It was a pecan tree. It wasn't wasn't a hatchet. It was a Bowie knife. Cut down his father's tree. Said, "Who cut down my pecan tree?" And George says, I cannot tell a lie. I did it. And he says, what'd you say, boy? He says, I cannot tell a lie. He says, anybody can't tell a lie. Don't belong in Texas. We're going to move to Virginia. So I just have that problem with Virginia, being a Texan, that is. So we have gifts. We're going to be giving Virginia a great gift from us to them. And and, uh, this, this is the package right here, the two packages. And, uh, but we got a gift for them as well. So, Peg, would you? What could we give Bob and Edwina to show them how much we love them and everything? Oh, some weird ideas came in my mind. But <laughs> your son Todd helped me with helped us with this. Does that concern you, or do you think you did all right? <laughs> well, you've got to eat. That's a given. So he thought you'd like this one. You're moving further away from Buffalo, but not Buffalo Wild Wings. There's a restaurant called The Local. Now, we're all your locals right now, but you're going to be moving into new territory. But you heard what Precious, God spoke through Precious this morning. He's going to be right there with you and uh, all the time. So The Local... There's a restaurant called The Tip Top. We want you to know that you've heard the accolades today for you and that we just think you're tip top and uh, uh, take those thoughts with you. So enjoy the Tip Top restaurant. (laughs) This one is called The Rooftop and we shout it from the rooftop that our prayers go with you for health and wellness and immediate sense of community when you get down there. And remember a few months ago at Bible study, you talked about coming down Franklin Mountain and there was a rainbow and you actually were in that rainbow for a matter of seconds. It like followed you down the road. And that aura of God, I just, we pray over you and we shout it from the rooftop. Amen. 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 We love you. And uh, we're going to use you uh, one more time, though. Oh. Stand up. Stand up. You stand right here. Stand right here? Yeah, right here like this. Facing right here this, like this. And you face, face him on this side. Now we're going to have communion, and I'm going to let them hand out the bread oh. to us. And then afterwards, if you stay up here, we're going to pray for them. So could we have uh, the communion table set up, please? Mm. Hallelujah. Jesus broke bread. Monday, Thursday, if you don't understand what Monday, Thursday, it was actually started in a Catholic church. Uh, Monday is the name of money that the Catholic church had. And they would hand out this money to the poor on Monday, Thursday, because Thursday 
before Good Friday, where Jesus was crucified, was when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And he was the servant. He says, I have done this so that you would be a servant. And you've washed our feet for 42 years here and before. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but were you that day that you were receiving the baptism up on campus, I think it was. Uh, in my full gospel business meeting. You know, my wife Jackie was there. That was before we were married. And do uh, you know I never have I never have kissed my wife before we got married? Did you know? What's wrong with you, man? <laughs> you weren't saved. Wait, 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 wait. I was talking to John Grenier the other day. He's pastor of the Assembly of God. He taught me this, by the way. She wasn't my wife then. Oh. 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 I kissed her. She just wasn't my wife. <laughs> so John Grenier taught me that one. I was just talking to him about this last Thursday. Uh, this past Thursday. So we were going to ask you uh, to wash our feet one more time by hand, handing out the bread. And uh, what we do, if you haven't been here before, you come forward Take a piece of the bread. And, you know, I always... Harry is mindful that Jesus wasn't broken in the sense that his body wasn't broken because not a bone was broken. When they wanted to break his legs, they wouldn't break them because the sacrifice had to be without any broken bones. But uh, the Godhead was broken. Broken apart into two pieces. And uh, when Jesus took the bread and he blessed it and he uh, handed it out to his disciples. This was right after he had washed their feet. Judas was there when he washed his feet. Judas was there when they broke bread. And sometimes you'd be breaking bread with some people that may turn on you, but it's still, you still love them. You still serve them. You still wash their feet. And so uh, that's just another mindful thing. But he took the bread and he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is for you. And so what we do here is we come down the center aisle and usually file back on the outside. And uh, but this time, if you will, if you can, if you want to stay here and we're going to pray for Edwina and Bob and Edwina after we break bread with them. And uh, but if you have to go and leave. Please feel free to do it. Just do it quietly. But we're going to pray for you afterwards. So he took the bread and broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. And then when you, after that, you come up and get your grape juice. And you say, This is my blood, he says, which has been given to, uh, for the new covenant, the blood of the new covenant which is for you. So take, uh, take your cup. We have receptacles on the side for you to put those in. And please come forward for communion.